Hello, hello, everybody out there. We have another episode. It's our favorite time of the week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., because right now it's the Talk That Talk show. I'm super excited again to give us and deliver us some great sports news, some great sports and analysts. And um, I'm just really happy to say that we are into our fifth episode now here. Um, we are streaming on iTunes, we're streaming on Spotify, we're streaming on Google Podcasts, and I've really just been, you know, really proud of the way that we've been able to stay consistent and stay to our schedule of delivering that talk, that talk show. Um, um, you know, been here getting a lot of support. Um, a lot of people know that I like to play Xbox, and um, I'm going to shout out my boy Ish here because... We were actually playing the game PUBG yesterday, and he stopped and told me as we were trying to get loot in the house. He told me that he was just really happy and uh, you know, super you know, excited for me and said that my, my podcast was really good and that he was listening in, and that's how he was getting his coverage as far as the NCAA tournament. So I really want to thank him for that and also want to thank everyone out there that's been consistent in terms of listening in to me, whether you've watched me on the Facebook live stream. Shout out to Naya. Shout out to Ronnie Chester. Shout out to Andrew James Lynch. Shout out to Lewis Guerra, who's always been in there. Um, he actually asked for a shout out for his Oregon Ducks, and <laughs> they actually wound up making it to the Sweet 16. So I want to give him a shout out as well for yeah for picking right and getting that bracket, especially because a lot of our brackets were busted. So you know, really, you know, this show caters to all of our loyal fans out there, everyone that continues to watch every week. You know, I'm going to be the best version of myself so I can keep giving us this show, okay? Everything that we do in our everyday lives, it's important, but it's also important to be able to do the things that you're passionate about and do things that, you know, make you happy every single day. And, you know, being able to talk sports with my friends in the off time is something that I really enjoy. So to be able to, you know, create my own podcast and, you know, create a platform where everybody can either agree with me or disagree with me, you know, it makes all the difference. I mean, you, you really never know who's listening and who's watching. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about last time on the show was the fact that, you know, we have a very strong, you know, listening viewership in China. And as I looked at the metrics from our last episode, 24% of the people that listened to our episode were from China. So again, I got to give y'all a big shout out because out of all the cities that, you know, have been listening into this show, Beijing came in first in this last episode. And then also came Edison. And then third was Brooklyn. So shout out to everybody, you know, my hometown of Edison that's out there listening to me, who's out there promoting the show. I've been getting a lot of good feedback and a lot of loyal fans out there. And then also I want to give a shout out to Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn is where one of my schools is that I um, work at through Playworks. And it's, you know, I've covered a lot of events out there as far as the Brooklyn Nets and then other various New York sporting events. So, you know, I really want to shout out them as well, too, because, you know, without you all listening in, I wouldn't have a show or have, I wouldn't have a reason to do this. So, you know, thank you to everyone that's listening in. If you get a chance, hit that subscribe button, hit it on Google Podcasts. Hit it on iTunes, hit it on Spotify, because we are here to stay and we are not going anywhere. Every Tuesday, 7 p.m., we are Facebook live streaming and it will be uploaded and outsourced to all the media streams. Now, whew, 
now that I got that out of the way, we can get to the fun part, right? The fun part, which is our sports. And, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it because I did a bracket challenge and I run it every year. It's the fifth annual, you know, year that I've done it. Um, all of my really good friends are in it. Jeff Farrell got in there. Uh, Matthew Smedic got in there. And uh, needless to say, none of us <laughs> placed in the money. Um, I wound up coming in 21st place out of 28 people, which is, you know, positively embarrassing. You know, I, I went to the Big East tournament. You know, I, I, I tend to think of myself as a knowledgeable person. But my father said something really funny to me the other day. And he said, I really only like betting on, you know, my own talent, right? And what he meant by that is when he goes out to bowl and he's going out there, he's putting his money out there, and, you know, he winds up getting in the pots and taking home money. But one of the things he says is he's betting on himself. So he's betting on his fact of the matter of his talent to go out and get something. And when you're, you know, making these brackets and you're having to depend on other people to make free throws and you have to depend on them to not turn the ball over, it gets a little bit difficult out there when you have, you know, someone else in charge of your money. So, um, you know, shout out to John Grabowski's wife, Donna Grabowski, who won our, you know, bracket challenge this year. She took home over $300. So, you know, there's definitely money in this bracket challenge, but since none of us are actually going to win this year because all of our brackets have been busted, let's finally step back and just really appreciate the game and the tournament for what it is. And that's just the fact that you really do not know what is going to happen and how unpredictable it is. Now, my first matchup on Saturday is going to be Auburn versus UVA. Um, I don't know if anyone watched that UVA game. Um it came down to the wire. They wound up back tapping the ball and, you know, shooting a, a ball at the buzzer. Um, if anybody doesn't know about them last year, they were the first number one seed to go down to a 16 seed. And it, it, there wasn't really too much high hopes for them coming into this because even as a number one seed, a lot of people saw Virginia as vulnerable. But if you look at, you know, the tournament run that they've had, they have really shown out here. and you know, got themselves in a position to potentially get to the national championship game. And what a story would that be for them to come from being the laughing stock of the NCAA and making history in a wrong way to now becoming, you know, national champions. So, you know, you can't count out UVA because of the fact of just how well they play defensively. Um, they really, you know, stifle you in the paint and try and make you take bad shots. So, you know, I always talk about my three check marks which are, you know, does a team defend? Do they rebound the ball? Do they have great guard play? And, you know, Auburn is going to be a great test for them because let me tell you something. Let's take a look at their tournament run that they've made to get to the Final Four as a five seed. So, you know, Auburn has not made the Final Four, you know, previously. And they were able to take out New Mexico State, Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky to get to this point. And when you look at that, that's a hell of a tournament run, you know? Um, it's really going to be difficult, I think, for Auburn to overcome that because, you know, they really had to emotionally strain themselves to get out of, uh, to come back in those games. They also lost one of their star players to an ACL tear. So, you know, I, I have a hard time taking uh, Auburn over UVA in this game, um, but, you know, it, it's really going to be a good game at 6 p.m. So I hope you guys tune into that. And then the second game of the day is going to be Texas Tech versus Michigan State. Now, I think this is going to be the better of the two games. 
Because if you look at what Texas Tech was able to do, they they played some some really really solid defense and took out Gonzaga, which was you know arguably the most overall team in the tournament and the team that I actually had going all the way. So I think the Texas Tech. Um, it, it definitely is a team that nobody expected coming out of the Big 12. But, you know, when you look at Michigan State, they have a completely solid team. And I thought they had the next best team, you know, other than Gonzaga coming into this because, you know, that guy Cassius Winston, he has really taken full control of that Michigan State team, and he has them firing on all cylinders right now. I saw a move where he rejected the ball screen, uh, did a spin move, and then Aliyub dunked it. And, and that's quite the series, you know, for a guard of his caliber. Um, when I look at this uh, in this game, I definitely have Michigan, Ta- Michigan State winning that game. And then I also have them beating either UVA or Auburn because, you know, from what they've shown me in their tournament appearances, you know, they've been down. Um, they've been doubted in the tournament. They were, uh, you know, had to come back late in the games in some of the games. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Cassius Winston is going to be the key for that team because, you know, he has the ball a lot of the times. And when he's out there making plays for them, not turning the ball over, he really controls the pace of the game. And that was what was able to take Duke out of it because they weren't getting those fast break opportunities and they weren't turning the ball over the way that Zion Williamson likes to, all because Cassius Winston was protecting that ball. He was out there, you know, keeping his team in the best positions to win. So, you know, I really like Michigan State to take it all when we look at this Final Four. But um, one of the things that also that I see here is that with this Final Four, we have a couple of the Final Four conferences that are represented here. We have the ACC with UVA. We have the Big Ten with Michigan State. Texas Tech representing the Big 12. And then Auburn coming out of the SEC. You know, it's really sad for me because I love the Big East and, you know, I really did grow to like Oregon, you know, as I saw them in the tournament. So it's sad to say that the Big East is left out of it and also the Pac-12 will be sitting out too. But, you know, we have, you know, four of the major conferences here when we talk about major, mid-major. I hate that term, but, you know, this really going to be a true test to see which conference is the best out of this year because with the Big Ten, you know, it really kind of snuck up out of nowhere because the first two, you know, days of the tournament, you know, they were very well as far as their teams advancing. But you look at the Big East and they only had Villanova go one round. You know, St. John's couldn't even make it out the playoff game. I mean, the play-in game. So, you know, hopefully next year the Big East will be able to round themselves out and, you know, get some quality players in there, you know, in their freshman class to build up some of these teams because, you know, the the tournament is good is when, you know, Big East teams are in the tournament. So, you know, let's let's hope that they can get back in it. Um, one of the also exciting times about this, not only with the Final Four coming in, is also the coming back in of baseball. And I can't tell you how excited I was, you know, at work, to to be riding on the subway and know that I had a game that I could watch with the Mets, you know, on opening day at a one o'clock start against the, the Washington Nationals. And I've really been, you know, really happy to see how they've been playing to start this year. Um, one of the things that we always talk about with the Mets is, you know, how consistent or how much can they sustain the, the success that they have early on in the year. Um, right now they have, you know, a three and one record. 
We beat Miami 7-3 last night, which was a, a very spirited effort. And I think that, you know, when it, when we come into early on in the season and we try to gauge, you know, how these teams are going to do and, you know, how well equipped is a baseball team to go, you know, 160-something games, um, I think you really got to look at how, you know, the Mets are able to take these early series is because if you can take two out of three or if you can split some of these four-game series early on in the year, you know, it doesn't give you that hole that you have to, you know, dig out of because, you know, baseball is a long season and any type of edge that you can give yourself to, you know, put you at the top of the um, division, you know, you got to do that earlier on in the season, okay? Um, a lot of times with the Mets, before All-Star break, we have, you know, two or three of our key pieces that go down to injury. So, you know, it definitely does worry me as far as keeping our, you know, top guys healthy. But I think, you know, the Mets have surrounded themselves with depth this year that should hopefully, you know, counteract with some of those unforeseeable injuries that happen to happen. Um, I really like Wilson Ramos. He's been a key acquisition for us in the offseason. Um, you know, I think a couple weeks into the season last year, we lost Travis Darno, and we were out there putting, you know, inexpensive nosebleeds, in, uh, you know, band-aids out there with Rene Rivera and uh, whoever else you have out there. But, you know, the, the Mets really never had a solid catcher in that position last year. So for him to come in and he's batting 462 with three RBIs, I really like what Wilson Ramos has been able to do. And, you know, as far as the Mets go and as far as they're concerned, they really need somebody out there that's going to give them, you know, four or five starts a week and can make solid contact. And, and what I've seen from Wilson is he can hit the ball in all directions and, you know, he is going to put the bat on the ball. Um, one of the people that in our new acquisition that, you know, had an amazing start in his first game was Robinson Cano. But, you know, he's kind of started to fizzle off after that hot first game where he hit a home run in his first at bat. Um, he's only batting 211 with two RBIs and then that one home run on opening day. But here's the thing that's alarming to me in Robinson Cano. When Cano was, you know, at the height of his career in New York and, you know, when he was considered one of the best hitters, he was making contact on the ball. And one of the things that we've seen with Cano is he's had a high amount of strikeouts. He's, he struck he struck out seven times already. You know, we haven't even come out the first week of the season. You got seven Ks? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the golden sombrero sometime soon. You know, I hope not because I, I really want and I hope that, you know, we can continue to get some run support for these pitchers because, you know, one of the people that they did get in the offseason or re-got was uh, Jacob Degrom and giving him that money, and what he what did he do his first you know start? He gives us um, he goes six innings, he gives you ten strikeouts and only walks one guy. I mean that's the type of performances that we're gonna need out of Jacob Degrom every five days. You know we need that from him because you know our run support has shown that they've been a little inconsistent, but I will say that I'm happy with how the young hitters have been hitting. To start this season. I mean, you look at Pete Alonzo, and he's batting 412 with six RBIs and one home run. This is a guy who we didn't even know was going to make the team and was fighting with Dominic Smith to see if he could start. Big bat! You know, but Big Pete bat. Alonzo has shown that he can hit the ball, and if the Mets can continue to do that, we will be able to, you know, take that NL East, because 
I know, you know, the Phillies got Bryce Harper again. Um, I know it again. I know, I know. Um, he's hit a couple home runs, and, you know, he's starting to turn it on. But, you know, when I look at, you know, these teams in the NL East, I, I can't help but think that the Mets are going to be leading in that division. I know the Braves are always tough, and, you know, they epitomize what young talent means to, you know, excel it right off the rip. But, you know, when you look at the Mets, and we got Edwin Diaz, who has two saves already in four games, and that's really important. Because if you look at what the Mets were not able to do last year, and that was secure wins late in the games, because our middle relief was, you know, inconsistent, and they weren't doing what they were supposed to. But when you look at Edwin Diaz, you know, you re-get Jerry's familiar, who can, you know, be that quality setup man and come into his true position as a pitcher. Now we look at a, a, a battery in the bullpen that can go out there and close games. And now when you can go out there and know that you can get a save maybe five out of every seven times, that only vaults your team's confidence. And that's what's really going to push the Mets through. So, you know, I really hope that they're able to sustain the success and not be the story that they always are. But um, we can only watch and see. Uh, we got the Mets game on right now, and it's the top of the first. Michael Conforto's on, and they got runners on second and third. So, you know, let's hope that they can bat one of those runners in and get some run support for Jason Vargas because, you know, Jason Vargas is another guy that didn't have too many quality starts last year. And, you know, to start this season, Jacob DeGrom's the only one that's had his own quality start, only one that's went six innings. So, you know, let's hope that these, you know, these pitchers can go into these games and then close them out. So score runs, go long in the games, close them out, and the Mets will be NL East champions. Let's go. <laughs> so the next thing, you know, we got to stick with our blue and orange here because, you know, I love my Mets, but I also love my Knicks. And I'll start it off, you know, we've had a lot of interesting things that have happened in the, you know, the media, you know, you've had poor Zingas have this rape allegation and, you know, now they're talking about whether the trade will get rescinded. Um, it's a really difficult situation, but, you know, I can only say that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a detective. You know, I may watch forensic files, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to crack cases and I don't know how to, you know, swab DNA off people to see who did it or whatever. But, you know, all I can say is that Porzingis has to do a better job of making good decisions and keeping the right people around him. And I, I don't want to place blame on him and say he did it. I don't want to say if he didn't do it. But the one thing that you can control is the people that you have around you. And, you know, with him being in his stature and, you know, being the high profile, you know, athlete that he was in New York, you know, you just got to do a better job of that and putting yourself in better situations. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say about the Porzingis situation because he's not a Nick anymore. But coming back to our team that we have now, <sighs> We have a record of 15 and 62 with five games remaining. And, you know, if you don't know, 17 wins was the amount of wins that the worst team in franchise history had. I was there. I remember the last game of that season. They, they didn't even sell any food at the concessions. Everything was free because they just wanted to get fans in there. So, you know, I remember what it felt like to be up there and watch those terrible games and you know, the Knicks have five games left, and they're going to need to win three out of those five to avoid being the worst team in history. And they need two to tie if they want to do that. But um, I look at these these games, and they are no easy games by the stretch. Um, they have Orlando. 
who's a, a playoff team. Well, not a playoff team yet, but they're trying to fight to get into the playoffs. So they're going to definitely bring their A game. You have Houston, who, uh, needless to say, you know, they're fourth seed in the West. Tough team. James Harden, MVP candidate. Um, that's going to be a tough game. You got Washington, which I think can be a winnable game there. I definitely think they can steal one from Washington. And then also they have Chicago, who they just beat the other day. Um, it's very tough to beat a, a team two times in a row. So I think that can be a tricky game for them as well. And then they also have Detroit, which is uh, you know, a playoff team as well, which is you know kind of dancing and teetering with Brooklyn on seeding as far as the Eastern Conference. But these five games are going to be tough. I just don't know that the Knicks will be able to get three wins there. Um, this could very well be the worst team in franchise history. But let's just uh, be positive here for a second. And one of the things that I'll say is I've been very, very happy with Mitchell Robinson. He just turned 21, so happy birthday for him. But um, him, you know, being there as a defensive presence for the Knicks is really going to help them as far as attracting, you know, these free agency, you know, signings. And then also just for getting wins next year. Um, just the fact that, you know, on his 21st birthday, he's in the gym at midnight, you know, shooting jump shots. That shows me that he wants to be better. And that shows me that he's ready to take that next step. And I think that if he can gain somewhat of a mid-range game, he can really help the Knicks. And, you know, especially as far as who they draft, because... <laughs> If they can get somebody that spreads the floor, I think that if the Knicks actually do go Zion at number one, I think that it will help to give Zion a little bit more space base on hit. the floor to oh base hit score. Okay, score. excellent, excellent. Wilson so the, Ramos with a single. So okay. we just talked about Wilson Ramos in the top of the hour. So hate to cut it off, but he just had an RBI single here. The Mets are up one nothing. So shout out to the Mets. Shout out to you know them for getting Wilson Ramos because he's producing there and. Right center. Yep, he got an opposite field, opposite field hit to right center. So, you know, shout out to Wilson Ramos. Um, but getting back to the Knicks, we really are, are talking about how if Zion has his place on the court, he can be able to then attack the basket. Because what we saw in the Final Four and what we've seen throughout the tournament and the NCAA bracket with him is that he is best when he's attacking the basket. Um, I know the one on Taco Fall, he had like a ridiculous double pump, which uh, made it in and uh, it just show, showcases overall toughness. And that's one of the things that I think is going to be difficult for him to translate, you know, to the NBA, because a lot of the times he's going into the lane and he's muscling these guys and doing it without any sort of, you know, repercussions or a guy that's going to try and knock him back. And I think that's what's really going to be difficult, you know, for him to translate because he's going to have to develop some sort of outside game. He's shown us that as a spot-up three-point shooter, he can make that shot. But, you know, as far as creating jump shots off the dribble and, and showing me something other than just backing down and muscling a guy, you know, that's where I tend to, you know, be a little bit worried about the Knicks taking him at number one. Um, there have been some reports saying that he might go back to school. He was so painfully, you know, staken with grief that they didn't make it to the final four, didn't make it to the championship. So they said he might go back to school, but uh, money talks. And right now he has about a hundred million dollar shoe deal bidding war going on for his, uh, <laughs> for his services. So he doesn't want to be a Nick. nah, I, I find it very hard to believe that 
you know, this guy Zion is going to go back to school just because he doesn't want to be a Nick or just because, you know, he, he wants to go back and get a championship. $100 million is life-changing money. And I know that'll change a lot of people's perspective. Um, you know, money talks. So I think that even if the Knicks don't get the number one pick, it's going to be a little bit, you know, of a good thing for them because they have John ja Morant, who showed that he can really facilitate the basketball. And they also have R.J. Barrett, who's shown that, you know, he is a polished, polished scorer. And when the lights get their brightest, you know, he shines. Um, you know, he's had a couple, you know, go-ahead buckets. He's had a couple, you know, buckets that have tied the game, late in games. So, you know, when I, you know, think about what it means to play in the garden and, you know, who can play in the garden, I really like R.J. Barrett because, you know, underneath those garden lights, I don't think that he's going to falter. So, you know, if the Knicks don't get the number one pick, they better see if they can either get John Morant or R.J. Barrett. But they'll be all right with either or. Um, one of the things that Fisdale talked about in the offseason is that they have to get better defensively. And I don't know if they need to pick up, you know, tell Tony Allen to come out of retirement or or whatever they have to do, but they got to do something about their defense because at the end of the day, you can, you can, you know, have a tough time offensively and scoring, but one of the things that you, you know, can control is your defense. And if they're, you know, 25th in points allowed, and you're 23rd in field goal percentage, you're allowing teams to go out and shoot 47% on you, you know, that that's atrocious. And, and that that's almost, you know, uh, rec league numbers. So I, I really hope that the Knicks can get better defensively in the offseason. And, you know, hopefully we can see that they make the right decision in, on draft day because, you know, we can't have any more of these losing seasons. They're terrible. Um, the one question that a lot of people have asked me, whether I've been on the train whether I've been, you know, with my father, whether I've been with my friends and we've been out at the bar, everybody always wants to know what's your MVP or who's your MVP. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say that James Harden is my MVP for this year right now. Um, the guy is scoring 36.4 points per game. He has 7.5 assists a game. So one of the things they say is, oh, James Harden doesn't share the ball. He doesn't pass the ball. Don't give me that. This guy's averaging 7.5 assists a game, and he's putting his team in the best position to win. And another knock that I've heard a lot of people say is, oh, James Harden doesn't play defense. He gives the Matador defense. Well, this guy's averaging 2.1 steals per game. So the two places where he's had the knock on his game, and I remember when you know D'Antoni was going to switch him from the shooting guard to the point guard and said that this was going to be the best for the team— you're starting to see why. I mean, this guy is doing what Russell Westbrook was doing in that triple-double season, but he's he's doing it in the betterment of his team. If you look at that, you know, year that Russell got the triple-double, they didn't do anything in the playoffs. You know, I think that this team as a four seed in the West, um, they are going to make a run and hopefully give, you know, Golden State a run for their money. And the only way that they can do that is through James Harden. And he's having an MVP caliber season again. I mean, how many times should this guy have won the award before? But, you know, I think that James Harden is a guy that people tend to handicap because he shoots the ball a lot and they say that he's inefficient. But here's the thing. You know, it's the MVP awards, the most valuable player award. 
And when you talk about the most valuable player, you have Steph Curry, who everybody emulates shooting threes. You have him now emulating James Harden's step back, just because that's how much of an effect he's had on this game right now. Um, James Harden is, is a guy that is definitely, if you take him away from the Rockets, he would make them you know, a four seed, but without them, I don't even know if the Rockets can be a playoff team since the West is so good. I know Chris Paul is good, but, you know, when he comes to playoff time, sometimes he gets injured, so it becomes a little bit difficult. But um, James Harden definitely makes that Rockets team. Um, He's the most valuable person, I think, in the league right now, especially with LeBron not in the playoffs. Because when you talk about most valuable, I think who is the, the person that can take down the Warriors? All right. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard definitely gives another strong case out in the East because, you know, he actually makes the Raptors believable. I don't think anybody believes in the Raptors because of what, you know, LeBron was able to dismantle them year after year in the playoffs and how demoralizing that is. But I think, you know, with Kawhi Leonard, he definitely makes a strong argument. But, you know, in the end, that MVP award goes to James Harden. So Shout out to James Harden. I hope that they can, you know, go far in the playoffs and, you know, prove a lot of these people wrong because you know, a lot of people do not give the Rockets or do not give James Harden the credit that he's due. And, you know, I think with this MVP, this MVP award going to James Harden, we can potentially, you know, get him to that place. So, you know, now I can't believe it, but we're already here at the end of the show. Um I'm really happy and excited for everybody that was, you know, out there listening. Shout out to Josh Gaines. Don't worry, man. I'm going to get on PUBG soon <laughs> after this Mets game. But um, I really am happy that we continue to get better with each and every show. Um, we're coming at you with all the different topics. Um, we've stayed consistent. Um, we're getting new viewers. We're getting new listeners. We're getting people that are able to form their own opinions. And really just become, you know, updated on what's going on in, in sports. So, you know, I'm going to keep delivering that. So you all just got to keep listening in, um, keep subscribing, you know, keep commenting. I had a couple of people comment on some things that they wanted me to cover today. So, you know, we're going to, you know, try our best to, you know, get some of those things answered for you and really make this show talk that talk because talk at, the, that talk. at the end of the day, if I'm not talking that talk, then I'm not walking that walk and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, one of the things that I want to do is I want to shout out to all of our sponsors, starting out with Executive Bar and Restaurant located on 30 Menu Street in Carteret, New Jersey. Um, shout out to Prashant. I know he was pissed that, you know, his uh, bracket got busted with Duke losing, but you know, please stop into his bar. He has some of the best drinks in Central Jersey, best Indian food. I go there all the time. And anytime there's a game on a fight on, you got to go over there. So big up to Executive Bar and Restaurant. Next thing I want to shout out is VW Liquors, located in Edison, New Jersey, and Wick Plaza. Um, shout out to Dave. Let's go, Mets! Let's go, Mets. We always do that for Dave at the end of the show. So, you know, big shout out to VW Liquors. Um, we have our ceremonial beers after the show. They come from Dave. So big up to him. And then for our other sponsor, we have 91s.com. You know, my boy Cody Bromley owns that website. He owns that clothing line. And he's one of those people that talks that talk. Um, I, I support, you know, people that, you know, start their own things and believe in, you know, creating. Um, I think a lot of the times people are scared to create 
because it's hard to do something no one's ever done before. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And I, um, you know, I'm very proud of him for the, you know, the clothing line that he's put out there. And, you know, he's given me a lot of good feedback on the show and promoting the show a lot. So you know, I definitely want y'all to go to his site, um, 91s.com. The code is ACID20. And you can get 20% off of any of the clothes that he has on that site. So they got a lot of cool stuff there. Check that out. Um, you know, that about does it for us. I definitely, before I end this show, um, I want to give a shout out to all the people, you know, all the family members of Nipsey Hussle. Um, the, the, the rap community, um, the, just, just the community in general out West Coast, they lost a great person. And I think when when we uh, when we talk about Nipsey Hussle, one of the things that has been a little bit of a distraction has been a lot of people saying that you know this has been a government conspiracy theory. Uh, they didn't want Dr. Sebi's tape to get released, but I, mean, I think we're you know those people are being really insensitive to the fact that you know the rap community lost a a, a, a critical rapper that wasn't just you know auto tuning all the time and talking about things that I don't care about. You know, he was a man of his people. And, you know, for me, being a, a person that works in a nonprofit organization, you know, I truly feel for him because, you know, a lot of people say that once they get money, they, they get out the hood and they wouldn't come back to it. But it means something to give back to your community. And, you know, the man was about to go meet with the police chief to see how they could stop violence. And, you know, it, it, it's just really saddening to me because I really liked a lot of Nipsey Hussle's music. And, you know, when you lose a leader like that, you know, you really start to think about your own self and, you know, what could happen. And if, you know, Nipsey can get shot on his own block in broad daylight, you know, anything can happen. Um, it really makes you want to value life and really appreciate those little moments of the people that you care about most. Because at the end of the day, life is short and we only get one of it. So um, you got to make the most of it. And when you look at Nipsey Hustle, you know, aside from his music, he was an upstanding person and really tried to uplift his community, uplift the people around him. So, you know, I'm really sad that Nipsey Hussle's gone, sad that he's not going to be able to, you know, make any more music because he did put out great music. Victory Lap was one of the best albums. If you didn't get a chance to, please listen to it. But um, shout out to Nipsey Hussle and shout out to his family because, you know, this gang, this gang, um, or I wouldn't say gang, this gun violence, you know, it's serious and guns do you know, kill people when they're not used for their intended purpose. So we just got to make sure that we're doing what it is that we're doing, giving positive energy out there and trying to uplift people. Don't let these things that, that do happen, you know, stop us from continuing to do great things. So, you know, shout out to Nipsey Hussle. You know, he had a great life. Um, we're going to continue to, you know, live, you know, live through your music. And, you know, you will not die as far as your music is concerned, as far as your legacy. So, you know, big ups to Nipsey Hussle. We're going to shout him out at the end of our show. Um, please keep tuning in every Tuesday, 7 p.m., live streaming on Facebook. Shout out to everybody that's been listening. Brenda Bozowski, uh, Mary Beth Heaney. I'll see you at bowling tomorrow. Shout out to Brianne Pearson. You've uh, supported me throughout York and, you know, through leaving York. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you a lot. Um, shout out to Mal Pacino coming from North Edison. Shout out to him. And I already shouted out Josh Gaines, my my thorn in my side on PUBG. Um, so shout out to them. This is the end of our show. 
Hope you enjoyed. Keep tuning in because I'll be here every Tuesday. Every single Tuesday. I will not let y'all down.